are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert! No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot, or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Stand and Deliver, which came out in 1988, and was directed by Ramon Menendez. It stars Edward James Olmos, Lou Diamond Phillips, Rosanna DeSoto, Will Gote, Vanessa Marquez, Virginia Paris, Daniel Villarreal, Estelle Harris, Riff Hutton, Michael Adler, and Andy Garcia. The genre would be inspirational drama. Can we talk about sex? We discuss sex, I have to get sexual homework. Edward James Olmos. Stay awake as you're waking up. Wake up this morning, how are you? Blue Diamond Phillips. At a tough school, somebody had to take a stand. And someone did. Together, one teacher and one class proved to America they could stand and deliver. A true story. Rated PG. Back around the era when this came out, it felt like there was a new heroic teacher drama being released probably every six months. Just between 87 and 90, we had The Principal, The Substitute, Dead Poet Society, Lean on Me, Summer School, Kindergarten Cop. That counts, right? And this gem, based upon true events from first-time director Ramon Menendez. Amidst that crop, this one is the best by far. What Stand and Deliver pulls off so well is to keep the focus on the two most important aspects of this story. Who the teacher and students were as people and the sheer difficulty of what they were studying, what they were trying to accomplish. The teacher was, of course, the late, great Aime Escalante, played brilliantly by Edward James Olmos in a performance which earned him a Best Actor nomination, which he should have won. And the subject they were studying was AP Calculus, which is no joke even for doctoral-level adults to master. The story never completely overwhelms us with the intricacies of calculus, but we get immersed into all the exhaustive classwork and studying that it requires to get a handle on such a challenging subject. We will begin each class with a quiz. There will be no free rides, no excuses. You already have two strikes against you. There are some people in this world who will assume that you know less than you do because of your name and your complexion. But math is a great equalizer. When you go for a job, the person giving you that job will not want to hear your problems and neither do I. You're going to work harder than you ever worked before. And the only thing I ask from you These kids are toiling away late at night, all through the summer, on Saturdays, and the movie never sugarcoats just how hard Escalante rides them, nor how bumpy their learning curves are. One standout performance is from Will Gote as Pancho, who epitomizes the struggle at times. He's a gearhead bruiser who comes from a family of mechanics and works well with his hands. We see him stumble at times in the classroom as he's clearly stretching his mental stamina. really makes him angry. I've been with you guys two years! Everybody knows I'm the dumbest. I can't handle calculus. These guys have a better chance of making the AP test without me. <laughs> Don't laugh. How could we laugh? You're breaking our hearts. Don't do this, Kimo. I mean, how noble to sacrifice himself for the benefit of the team. Do you have the ganas? Do you have the desire? Yes, I have the ganas. Do you want me to do it for you? Yes. You're supposed to say no. But we watch as he finds his center, not only through sheer repetition of study, but through a romance he builds with a fellow student, Anna, nicely played by Vanessa Marquez. 
We spend just enough time in her life out of school to understand her struggle, too. There's one nicely understated moment early on as we have just watched Anna home at night rounding up several younger siblings to go to bed after she sent her father out to his night job with a meal that she prepared for him. Minutes later, her mother has gotten home from work, whom she immediately offers to prepare a meal for. To her relief, her mother just wants to lay on the couch. So Anna just sits back on another couch working on her calculus homework. Until her mother asks her to turn off the light, which annoys Anna. After all of the domestic chaos that she has handled, it's obvious that just simply doing her homework is her respite. And of course, this was also an early role for budding star Lou Diamond Phillips, just a year after he broke out playing Richie Valens in La Bamba, and just a few months before Young Guns. He is sublime playing Angel, who's part of a small wannabe gang who have no desire to even show up to class, but he himself takes an instant interest in calculus. He predictably finds himself between a rock and a hard place, but whereas most versions of this story would have him written as a tormented, disaffected youth cliche, Phillips plays him with a gentle humor. We're busted. Why don't we just admit it? How'd you do it? I got the test ahead of time. I passed it out to everyone else. How did you get the test? Mailman. I strangled him. His body's decomposing in my locker. As if the very challenge of balancing his extracurricular troublemaking with AP Calculus is something that he actually relishes. We see this in another nice character moment when he asks Professor Escalante to give him an extra math book so that he can keep one at home for studies and one in class, so that he's never actually seen in public carrying a textbook. And the professor does him one better by even offering him a third textbook to keep hidden in his locker just in case. And as the story progresses, it's easy to see how the professor's passion for this subject just becomes increasingly infectious to those in the class. Each of his students grow more to love him as he is simply unflappable in his push for them to eventually take the AP Calculus exam. He's always there for them, even in the sweatiest summer class featuring no air conditioning. Jaime's calm advice to each of them is simply to... So think cool. Think. Cool. Cool. And of course, this all culminates with a third act focusing on said test, the class's success in passing it, and the subsequent unexpected fallout when the educational board suspects the entire class of cheating. Anna, I've known your family for years. Tell us the truth. Nothing happened. Now don't lie to me. Nothing happened. Why don't you just leave her alone? She didn't do anything wrong. Then tell us who did. It's both upsetting and frustrating. We see the anguish of both Escalante and the students as they struggle to know how to respond. And this leads to what I think is the film's best standout scene, which I'll get to in just a bit. Unfortunately, the students do have to retake the test, but the results speak for themselves as they prove themselves yet again, leading to a touching final scene when we hear the scores of their second tests read aloud. Yes, uh, yes, I'm aware of the scoring. Three is a, a passing grade, five is a perfect grade. Yes, I'm ready. Go ahead. Uh, Diaz, uh, Maria, four. Sofuentes, Mark, five. Uh, Nodar, Jose, four. When the original score is reinstated. Santos, Daniel, four. Escobar, Guadalupe, five. 
Kameho Claudia. Four. Ana Delgado. Four. Garcia Francisco. Three. Fuentes Rafaela. Four. Uh, Javier Perales. Five. Gintano Armando. Four. Angel Guzman. Five. Still, tell them to hold the meeting. We're coming with great news. Like every other strong scene throughout Stand and Deliver, this exchange is not played up for melodrama nor any points belabored or stretched out. Unlike so many other similar school dramas of this era, this movie is inspirational while never overdoing it. It runs a lean 103 minutes and ends on just the right uplifting note. What better tribute to math than to tell an efficient story? (laughs) And that brings us to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Stand and Deliver has a relatively low-key guitar-driven score from 80s journeyman composer Craig Saffin. It's very much of its time and strangely does not often call attention to itself for most of the film's runtime, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is a generally quiet movie. Regardless, the score's main title theme, also called East L.A., is a nice tone setter for the rest of the movie, as we hear it over the opening credits, which show over, you guessed it, the neighborhoods of East L.A. Now, as you would expect for an inspirational drama from the 80s or 90s, we are treated to a high-energy pop song playing over those end credits, which shares a title with the movie. Now, the song overall is a bit of a mixed bag, with some of the cheesiest on-the-nose lyrics you're ever going to hear. Seriously, these make mid-80s Stallone soundtrack stuff from the likes of Robert Tepper look deep by comparison. And the song has an overblown lead-up introduction, which is a bit jarring given the tone of the movie. Even more egregiously, also, an electric guitar bridge, which is just comically overdone. That said, we hear this song kick in just as we see the closing image of Escalante walking down that long hallway, with the titles on the screen listing the increasing number of students in his class who had passed the AP test each successive year leading up to the film's release. It's inspirational to say the least, so it's hard not to get sucked in regardless of the music. The song is by 80s new wave rock sensation, Phoenix, Arizona's own Mr. Mr. Good band. They had some banger hits during the decade too, including Kyrie and Broken Wings, which were just unavoidable during the second half of the 80s. Kyrie. 
And sadly, this song is not on the level of those. However, by now you're probably asking, well, okay, Jeff, what gives? You're savaging this song for the most part. How could it be a good needle drop then? Well, my answer to that is simple. The one part I haven't mentioned, the chorus of the song, it just works. Richard Page as the lead vocalist just nails that title phrase, stand and deliver. And at the end of the day, that's all you really need for a rousing song, for a rousing needle drop. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now, looking back on this film now, I could confidently say that it holds up as one of the better directorial debuts of the 1980s. Now, when you consider that during this very decade, we had debuts on the vaunted levels of Blood Simple from the Coen Brothers, She's Gotta Have It from Spike Lee, and Sex, Lies, and Videotape from Steven Soderbergh. Well, those are some genuine directing giants who would go on to have very illustrious careers, which would continue well into the present day. Cuban-American wonderkind Ramon Menendez directed this movie and ended up winning two Independent Spirit Awards that year for his work. So what happened to his career? It's unfortunate, but no one really knows. He would go on to direct only one more feature film after this, The Meh, Money for Nothing, which came out in 93. And then after that, he directed a couple of TV shows and nothing past 2002. Now, granted, it would not be until the early 2000s when the dam would just bust open for more opportunities for Latino directors. And there was also a decent indie boom in the 90s overall. Somehow he just missed these waves, and no one is really sure why. But considering the bang-up job he did with this movie, you just can't help but wonder. This brings me to the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now, about that standout scene, which I mentioned earlier, it occurs in a conference room where Escalante has a brief but testy exchange with two representative slash investigators from the educational board. One of them is Ramirez, played by a young, feisty Andy Garcia. Mr. Escalante, I'm sorry you drove all the way out here, but we're not at liberty to discuss the controversy with you. I would just like to see the test, that's all. Mr. Escalante, I understand what you're going through here. But I repeat, the problem is between the ETS and the students. I would just like to see what kind of mistakes were made. Once again, I'm their teacher and I know my kids. Garcia goes toe-to-toe with Olmos with a small but memorable performance that also leaves an impression. And what's refreshing about his Ramirez is that he is not portrayed as a convenient villain, but as someone with his own agency. I want to see the test, please. We're going around in circles here. Mr. Salante, we're psychometricians, thorough to the point of boring. We're not out to get anybody here. Not so fast. If this was a simple situation of two students cheating, that's one thing. But by making a blanket accusation, you're saying that there was a conspiracy. Every conspiracy has a leader. Who better qualified to be the leader than the teacher? Mr. Scalante, nobody's accusing you here of anything. Not only me. The school, the parents, the entire community. Scores is high. I guarantee you will be questioned regardless of the school. Yes, but if this was Beverly Hills High School, they wouldn't have sent you two to investigate. He resents being in the circumstance of having to question the achievements of students from the very neighborhood he himself grew up in. He's suspicious of Escalante as a positive influence on this community. Mr. Escalante, 
Hope you're not insinuating that we haven't earned our position here. Because no one's giving me a damn thing. I suggest you letting your emotions get the best of you. If no one has given you a damn thing, you should not be taken away from my kids. The identity of the students were concealed until it was determined that irregularities existed. Those scores would have never been questioned if my kids did not have Spanish surnames and come from barrio schools. You know that. All right. We've been patiently explaining our positioning and listening to your complaints. But now, our conversation is over. There's something going on here that nobody is talking about. And you know what it is. And he is not having it when his intentions are questioned by him. No one has the right to accuse me of racism. No one has the right to accuse me of racism. I know well how to spell discrimination. I thought this was over a long time ago. Are you doing this to my kids? This scene is just a masterclass in verbal fireworks erupting between two top flight actors. You didn't show me the test. You didn't prove anything. My kids didn't do anything. I'm going to prove you guys wrong. I hope you do. Because it's not between you and me. Maybe not. But if I catch you on the street, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. This brings me to the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. And speaking of Omas' Jaime, the actor, of course, carries most of this movie with a sharp, understated performance. With no vanity here, as Omas was about 40 at the time of filming, playing someone at least 15 years older, he makes himself look significantly older with a convincing comb-over and an awkward gait. As written and portrayed, Escalante is not prone to sentimentality nor inspiring speeches, and yet his character is nonetheless inspiring. He diffuses a lot of tension with humor. Okay, okay, okay. How many girlfriends does each gigolo have? Anybody? You think you got it, Einstein? You think you're gonna do it? Juan is X, Carlos is Y, Pedro is X plus Y. Is Pedro bisexual or what? (laughs) I have a terrible feeling about you. Escalante comes off very much as a three-dimensional human being with both strengths and shortcomings. And also, watching footage and interviews with the real Jaime Escalante, it becomes more obvious just how much almost truly inhabited this figure's persona, despite not looking completely like him. For pulling off such a spot-on portrayal of a truly inspirational figure, driving a genuinely inspirational story, Edward James Olmos is the MVP. My rating for Stand and Deliver would be five stars out of five. Now, I'm going to get a little personal here. As the child of two now-retired public school teachers, I really miss movies like this. We need more movies like this today. If you haven't yet seen this movie, but still feel like watching an excellent cinematic reminder of a time when educators in this country were not being needlessly attacked for keeping themselves and their students safe during pandemics, or were not being asked to arm themselves to put down school shooters, or were not being slandered as, quote, groomers for simply acknowledging different lifestyles and or sexual orientations to their students? Yeah, sorry to get up on a soapbox here, but just all the needless bullshit which is being thrown at today's educators. If you are seeking a gentle, entertaining reminder of a time period when we actually celebrated the tireless work from teachers as opposed to projecting our worst insecurities on them, well, this is the movie for you. I think uh, one of the most thrilling moments of the movie and one of the most emotional moments, I mean, what drives me to total tears, just even think about it. You see the, the logo come up, and it says Garfield High School Students in 1982. 18 passed the advanced placement tests and calculus. And then the statement stays there, and just the numbers change. At the end of the film, you see the impact it's had on that community since then. 
that those kids opened up the door and more kids followed. And if you're looking to watch Stand and Deliver, it is currently streaming on Max, Paramount Plus, and Showtime. And that ends another fractional review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.